0: It is certainly wonderful to see each and every one of you here. I'm glad that you have chosen to be here this morning. As I've already expressed a couple of times, let me express once more. I'm thankful to our mothers that are here this morning. I'm thankful to you for your example to your children. Thankful to you, to your example, maybe to your grandchildren, and maybe it's even the case. Thankful for you for your example to your great-grandchildren. So, appreciate you and the decision that you have made to be here to give that example to them. This morning, if you want to be opening your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, uh, this is where we're going to be spending really the majority of our time this morning. It's turning over to 1 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about... A godly mother. A matter of fact, the title of our sermon this morning is Hannah, an unselfish woman of godly character. And when you think about Hannah, this is what I want you to think about for just a moment before we get into the points of what made Hannah such an extraordinary woman. When you consider the book of 1 Samuel, at least as far as the first seven chapters of the book are concerned, you see a time period of history coming to an end. A matter of fact, you see the time period of the judges, they're going to come to an end. And in first Samuel chapter eight, uh, you agree there that the people came to Samuel, and and Samuel had lived a, a good life. He had lived a godly life. And they're, they're basically coming to Samuel, and they're saying, Listen, Samuel, uh, you've been a great judge. Uh, your kids, they're not very good, and so we need a king. We want a king. And of course, you remember Samuel there, he gets a little bit upset at first. He's mad at the fact. And you remember what... God would ultimately go on to tell Samuel, Samuel, listen to the people, heed to every word that they say, for they have not rejected you, they have rejected Me. But when you think about Samuel... And the life that he lived, and the things that he did, the judgments that he made, how he would help lead the children of Israel in really a tough time of their history. Really, when you look at the children of Israel under Samuel, there wasn't really a whole lot of trouble. Because the people respected Samuel. They understood who Samuel was. They understood who Samuel stood for. They understood that Samuel was going to put God first in each and every aspect of his life. And you know, you can't help but wonder, where did Samuel learn some of the things in which he applied in his everyday life? Well, as you read about Samuel and his family, the Bible does not have much to say about his father. But the Bible does have a whole lot to say about his mother, his mother Hannah. Her name in the Hebrew would mean one of grace or one of favor. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at nine things that Hannah did in her life to not only make her a godly mother, But a godly person overall. And yes, you did hear me correctly. We're going to look at nine things. I told Sarah this morning that I had a nine-point lesson and her eyes got great big. But, I'll tell you this much, all nine points sit on the first sheet of the piece of paper. So they're not going to be very in-depth points. but. They are nine points nonetheless. And so we won't waste a whole lot of time in this. We'll go ahead and get right into this. The first thing that we see with Hannah is Hannah was a woman that loved her husband. Look there at First Samuel chapter 1. Look specifically at verses 1 through 5. Now there was a certain man of of uh, uh Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zophu, of Ephraimites. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was uh, Piana. And Piana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hopani and and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time that was Elkanah offered, he gave to uh, Phinehas his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. You know, here we see something uh, uh, that Hannah is dealing with, right? She, she has her husband, what, but what does her husband also have? Her husband just also happens to have another wife. And we see something that happens here in the time period of Hannah that had happened previously, right? You remember a man by the name of Jacob? You remember Jacob, he, he went out and he was looking for a wife and, and, and there's, there is, is Rachel, right? And he sees Rachel and he, he loves Rachel and he wants to have Rachel and so he goes to work for Laban, right? You remember he worked seven years for Laban and after the end of that seven years, what did Laban do? He said, well, you can't have Rachel because it's not fair that the older daughter isn't married first. So here, take Leah. And so then Jacob, of course, you knows the story. He works another seven years, and he gets Rachel. But there's animosity between Rachel and Leah, right? And you remember what happens? Leah is able to bear children, but Rachel is not. And if you're familiar with that story between their, those two ladies, there was animosity that was built up between two, those two ladies, and no doubt... That they would have been uh maybe some hard feelings here between Hannah and between Pi, but notice Hannah still loves her husband, and her husband still loves her even though she was not able to give her husband children. You know, it would have been a great honor in that day and time as a woman to be able to bear her husband a child. And Hannah was not able to do this, but yet she still loved her husband and her husband still loved her. You know, the fact of loving your spouse even when things are hard is something that is necessary for a home to exist today. Look at what Paul uh, would write to Titus in Titus chapter number 2 in verse number 4. You may want to put a marker here in 1 Samuel because we will be coming back to it. But notice what Paul would write here. Go over to Titus chapter 2. And look there at verse number four, Titus chapter two, and verse number four. And if you back up to verse number three, you find out that he's talking to the aged women. He says the aged women likewise that they be in behavior that cometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now notice this: that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands. To love their children. You know, sometimes we look at a verse like that and we laugh. You know, why does someone have to be taught to love their husband? Well, you know, sometimes I'm pretty sure I have made life difficult for Sarah. I'm sure sometimes she's probably struggled some days loving me because of some stupid stunt that I did. But you know what? The love is the thing that binded the home. Love is the thing. You think about... Uh institutions that God has created. You know, he created the church. And why did he create the church? Because he loved mankind. But you know, God also created the home. The home between a man and his wife. The two, of course, as we see in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 24, that the two left father and mother. They came together, they claimed one another, and they became one. Flesh. and they would be together, and they loved one another, and so when we we think about Hannah, yes, it's not just the fact that that she is able to love her husband despite the fact that she's not able to give him children, but she's able to act in such a way that what was said there in First Samuel chapter one in verse number five, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion. Now, you you think about this word worthy. What it really was, it was a double portion. Now think about that. Here's Hannah. She is not able to give her husband children, and yet he still comes to Hannah and he gives her a double portion wine. Because of what Hannah does, for her husband because of the godly characteristics that she is going to display in her life because of the fact that she loves and she shows that to her husband. You know, I don't want to get uh, too far into the relationship between the husband and the wife because you've been paying attention on Sunday evening. The next set of verses that we're going to cover tonight in Colossians chapter 3 is just going to happen to cover the relationship between a husband and a wife and parents and children. And so we'll deal more with that this evening. And so I want to move on then to point number two. What made Hannah an unselfish woman of godly character? Not only the fact that she loved her husband, although she wasn't able to give him children, but the fact that she was a woman who was patient even in times of hardship or adversity. Continue reading with me there in First Samuel. Pick up reading there in verse number six. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah arose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat up on a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. It says, "...and she was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore." And we're going to talk about that woman of prayer here in just a moment. But think about her who was patient, right? Here this entire time it says, year after year after year, what does Hannah want more than anything? She's wanting a child, right? And we're going to see here in a moment, we're going to make these points here in a moment, that that as part of her being patient, that she's willing to go to God in prayer in times of adversity, in times of hardship, she remained patient. She would have understood, although this principle not written at that time, she would have understood a principle that James wrote about, right? Go over to James chapter 1. And as you read James chapter 1 here, think about Hannah and the trials that she was in. James chapter 1, starting there in verse number 2. There the Bible reads, My brethren, count all joys when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. If any of you lack of wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally, and afraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Now you think about Hannah for just a moment. Here she is year after year after year. Notice verse 6. Her adversary was there. And you could almost see this adversary in your mind. Oh, there's Hannah. Another year's gone by. She hasn't given her husband a son. How easy would it have been for Hannah to lash out? How easy would it would have been for, for Hannah to just, just throw her arms up and say, you know what? I I'm done with this, I'm over this, I I I'm just I'm not doing it anymore. It would have been really easy for Hannah to give up. But what did Hannah do? She remained patient. And in her time of need, she turned to God in prayer. And so we're already on point number 3 and I'm going to make another point here in just a minute. But look at point number 3. Hannah was a godly woman because she was a woman of prayer. Look there. Uh Pick up reading with me there in verse number 10. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, that thou wilt indeed look upon my affliction, and thy handmaiden, and remember me, and not forget thy handmaiden, but will give unto thy hand a man-child. And then I will give unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon His hand. So here is Hannah in a time of adversity where she she could have given up. She could have said, I'm done with it. She turns to God in prayer. You know that I get to thinking about us. Do we do that? When times get rough, when things get hard, when we're faced with adversity or with temptation, or whatever the case may be, what do we do with ourselves? Do we go, oh, woe is me? Do we throw our hands up and give up? You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to become discouraged, right? Maybe you're studying with the individual, maybe you're trying to to maybe get a point across to them that's important, and maybe they're just not getting it or maybe they're just ignoring it. You're just like, "I don't understand, and it's easy to become discouraged. What better thing to do than to pray? You know I'm reminded of what Paul would say in First Thessalonians chapter five and verse number seventeen. It's a verse that you know right? pray without. Now Paul obviously there is not giving the command to never stop praying. But I always look at that verse this way. I need to pray more today than what I did yesterday. I need to make sure that I'm taking time to pray. You know, there's a song that we sometimes sing. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? When you woke up this morning and God blessed you with another day, did you pray? You know, it doesn't have to be maybe a a verbal prayer. It doesn't have to be one that spoke out loud. You know, you can say a very prayer even in your mind, and who knows it? God. Who hears it? God. When you arrived here, did you pray and thank God for safe travels to be able to be here? Before this very worship service again, did you possibly pray to say, Lord, may the things that I'm about to do be done in spirit and truth. May they be pleasing unto Thee. The power of prayer. And here we see Hannah. She was a person of prayer. Here she is in a time of adversity. Here she is in a time of hardship when her adversary was there and she is patient and she prays to God. But you know what we also see in verse number 11? And this would be point number four if you're taking notes. Look at that. We're already through four points but Hannah was a woman of sacrifice. Now there in verse number 11, we've already read it, so we won't reread it, but here's Hannah, right? She doesn't have any children. She doesn't have a son. And so she's praying to God and she says, God, if You will but give me a son, I will then turn and take that son and I will give him back to You. Now it is Mother's Day, so mothers think about Mothers think about that. Put yourself in Hannah's shoes for just a moment. Maybe years have gone by, and you haven't had any children. And you just say, "God, if you will give me a child, I will take this child, and I will give him back to you." Now things worked a little bit differently than the way they did now because what's Hannah going to do when she gives Samuel to God? She's going to take little Samuel by the hand. And she's going to take him and she's going to give him to the high priest Eli. And he's going to live with Eli. And he's going to grow up with Eli. And he's going to learn what it means to be a priest from Eli. Now, Eli wasn't the best of priests, and he definitely wasn't a good father. You can see that by the way that his children turned out. But that's the trust that Hannah has in this. She's making a sacrifice, is she not? That I'm going to take my son, who I want nothing more, and instead of me doing these things, I'm going to give him back to God. I'm going to give this child as a sacrifice to God. You know, as I read that, I can't help but think about what Paul would write to the church at Rome, right? In Romans chapter 12, and I'm sure you know the verse. Romans chapter 12, there in verses 1 and 2. Notice the words of Paul. He says, I beseech you. is what you and I need to do voluntarily, not with someone else's life, but with our own. We give ourselves to God. We give God everything that we have. And you know, when you think about that, Is that not what God did for us? Think about it. The world that we live in, you look out you see the tree and the sun, the the clouds, all the things, the rain that comes. Why does God cause it to rain on this earth? It's not for Him. Who's the rain for? It's for us. Why does the sun rise? Why does the sun set? It's not for God. It's for us. Why are there trees that produce oxygen? It's not for God. It's for us. Everything on this earth that God created, it wasn't for Him. It was for us. Why did God even create Eve? Not for Himself, but for His creation, Adam. And so now you take this a little bit further on down the line, right? Not only did God create all these things physically not for Him, but for us. Why did He send His Son to die upon the cross? Not for Him. It certainly wasn't for Jesus' benefit. It was for us. Jesus gave us everything. The very least we can do is give Him everything back. Go back to First Samuel. Not only do we see that Hannah is a woman that loved her husband, she was a woman who was patient in times of adversity. She was a woman of prayer. She was a woman of sacrifice. But also understand, she was a woman of wisdom. Pick up reading there with me in verse number 12. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Caught not thy handmaiden for a daughter of El, out of thy abundance, of thy uh, complaint and grief, have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thy handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. She she was a woman of wisdom. And how do you someone may say, Well, Zach, how do you get that she was a woman of wisdom out of those passages? Well, what did Eli think she had done? Here Eli, he he no doubt knows Hannah. He knows that she's been coming every year. He knows that, that she has no children. And here he sees Hannah in his mind because he sees her mouth moving, but no vo- no words are coming out. He thinks this woman who ain't got no kids is out here crying every day. She's drunk. She's turned to alcohol. She's turned to some other, and she's drunk. And he says, woman, get be done with this. But she says, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. In other words, in a hard time, instead of turning to worldly things, into the thing that the world says will make you feel better, who did she turn to? She turned to God. And you know, since since just in the context, let's Let's take just a a moment to talk about this. You know, when you are watching TV and an alcoholic commercial comes on, have you ever stopped to consider those commercials? You have someone that they look good and they're having a good time and they're doing all these fun, what the world would consider cool things. But you know what they don't ever show you in those commercials? They don't ever show you the drunk driver that hit somebody head on and killed them. They don't ever show you the people that are in a restraining chair because they're going through withdrawals. They don't show you those things. The world says, here, come take this alcohol. Come take this drug. Whatever the world may be and it will will get rid of your pain. Doesn't do that. Simply masks it. And when that goes away, the pain is there. You know our mind bl I wish we had time this morning, but we don't. I believe it's over in Proverbs chapter twenty eight. The Proverb writer starts to give a, a a description of a drunkard. And he talks about, you know, when will I rise to drink again? And you go read that description there, and that's exactly what happens to those that get involved in these kind of things. You know, I I heard a a preacher say one time, he said, you know, the world is looking for God in all the wrong places. That's why there's alcoholics. That's why there's drug addicts. That's why there's anything in between. Because people are looking for God in all the wrong places. But no, Hannah, she was a woman of wisdom. Instead of turning to those worldly things, notice, she turned to God. And you know what? That's what we should do as well. Turn over to the book of Ephesians. And I want you to notice something here in Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to start reading there in verse number 15. Ephesians chapter 5, starting there in verse number 15, he says... See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And he gives an example of what the will of the Lord is. Now notice what it is. Verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. And so he says, don't be filled with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. I know what someone always says. They want to come to this verse and they say, look, he says, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess. And they'll try to say, oh, well that just means you can't get drunk. You know what's interesting, and science can prove this, The word in the Greek language that's used here in this verse for not drinking wine and not being drunk with wine, the Greek word, because the Greek language is a little bit more specific than the English, but the Greek language is actually condemning the process of becoming drunk. Now, here's what they can prove with science today. Do you know when the process of becoming drunk begins the very first drink you take. If you were to go down here to the local hospital, and please don't do this, but if you go down here to the local hospital and take a little shot glass with you, put you some alcohol in there, take that drink, and then have them run your blood, they're already going to be able to take alcohol in your blood. You may not feel different, but your body has already start, started to change. You have already started the process of becoming drunk, and that's the very thing that this verse condemns. See, Hannah was a woman of wisdom because she turned to God rather than turning to these foolish things. Go back to the book of 1 Samuel. The sixth thing... See, we're almost there. The sixth thing that makes Hannah an unselfish woman of godly character is she was, it's really it's two points in one, so I guess we could have uh, a ten point sermon here, but look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 verse 19, here we're going to see that she was a worshipper of God and she was a faithful wife, and they rose. Early, They rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came unto their house to Ramah and Elica knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And so here, the very next day, after she hears what Eli says, she gets up, she worships God, and what does she do? She returns to her husband. She returns to her husband. And so here she was. She was in this time of stress, this time of adversary. She she turns to God. She she prays to Him, and she she understands her prayer is going to be answered. And she worships God. She does that first. Note the order. She worships God. John chapter four, verse twenty-four. Those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then after she took care of her responsibility to God, then she went and she went returned to her husband. She returned to that role of being that loving wife. She returned to that role of being that faithful wife. You know, you wouldn't think you would have to make this point, but sadly, in the world today, we have to remind people that you know what you need to love your spouse look over at the book of 1 Corinthians and I want to show you something that's made mention here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and let's look here actually I don't want to use that passage there's another passage that I think fits this better it's really dealing with the husbands, but we understand this. Go over to Ephesians 5. I mean that First Corinthians passage works, but I want to look at another one. That I think illustrates the point better. Look at Ephesians 5. It says there in verse number twenty-two, and we'll deal some more with this tonight. So I'm not going to go into too great detail of it, but Ephesians chapter five, starting there in verse twenty-two, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Jesus Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, is the church the subject to Christ. So let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Now notice this, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, agape your wives. Make sure that you're willing to sacrifice for your spouse. We need to make sure that we're willing to sacrifice for one another. That means I'm willing to sacrifice something for Sarah. Sarah's willing to sacrifice something for me. It's that marital relationship, that marital bond that we have. And so here we see Hannah not only a worshiper of God, putting that first in her life, and then she was a faithful wife. Go back to first Samuel. We're going to roll through these fairly quickly told you I wouldn't keep you here too long, but we're going to get all nine points in. Point number seven. First Samuel chapter number one. Look at verse number 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time had come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked of him of the Lord. And what you see here is Hannah... She's a thankful woman. And she shows her thankfulness by what she names her son. She names her son, which literally means asked of God. And so she understands that I asked of God and God answered, and so therefore, I am going to be a thankful individual. You know, that is something that is so lacking in our country today. You know, you go over to Romans chapter 1, and what you find there in Romans chapter 1 is you find a list of sins that some individuals uh, were involved in there. And one of the sins that's listed in that list of many, and you get into some pretty terrible sins, but one of the sins that is listed there is the sin of unthankfulness. The people were unthankful for the things that they had. You and I should always be thankful for the things that we have. We should be thankful for the things that God blesses us with. Look over at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And we quoted verse 17 earlier, but this time look at verse number 18. Notice what he says, "In everything give thanks" For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What does God want you to be? What does God want me to be? He wants us to be thankful for the things in which we have. The very next thing that made Hannah an unselfish woman of godly character was one of the very things that we're talking about today. Hannah was a godly mother. Look back over at 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, look there, verses 21 to 23. And this man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up into the childly weaned, and then will I bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry, until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word, so the woman abode, and gave her son suck, until she weaned him." Here we see Hannah. She understands the vow that she's made to God. She understands that she needs to take Samuel and she needs to give him to the Lord. She understands that. And she's going to be willing to do that. We're going to see that here in just a moment. But she also understands her role as a mother. Now I'm going to say something that's certainly not popular in the world today. But it's something that needs to be said. The godly mother's first role is in the home caring for their children. Now, is there something wrong with a woman that goes and works? Absolutely not. Go read Proverbs 31. But where does she need to be? She needs to be taking care of her children. You want to know? You you look at our society. And you can go see this in secular history. But when did our society in the United States start taking a turn for the worse as far as morals and things of that? It was World War II. You know what happened in World War II? This country told the women that you don't need to be in your house. You need to be in the factories working. And so the mothers left their children. They went into the factories to work. And when the war ended, they didn't go back home. And so you started having children raising children. You started having other people raise your children. And moms and dads didn't know what was happening to their own children. And this country has been on a decline ever since. The role of a mother is so, so important. You know, in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 4, we read earlier that women were commanded to love their husbands. Well, in that same verse, women were commanded to love their children. Love, care, and provide for your children. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord bring them up and away, and when they get old, they will not depart from it. We need more godly mothers. We need more godly mothers to understand the importance of their God-given role. Point number nine. Hannah was an unselfish woman of godly character because she was a woman who kept her vow to God. Go back to First Samuel chapter 1. Look at verses 24 to the end of the chapter. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying to the Lord. For this child, I pray, the Lord hath given me, my petition, which I ask of him, therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped, and the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Here we see Hannah. Now, moms, imagine how hard that must have been for Hannah. I promised to give this child back to God. And that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, the lesson here is that Hannah kept her, kept her word to God. Jesus would say that we need to let our yes be yes and our no be no. There's certainly a whole lot more that we could we could see about Hannah as you move into chapter 2 and chapter 3. You see some of the things that, that Hannah will do and ultimately the kind of individual... That Samuel becomes. You know, I'm mindful of 1 Samuel chapter 2, there in verse number 19, where moreover his mother, Hannah, made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Now, there's a godly mother. There's a godly woman. Even though she has given Samuel to the Lord, what's she doing? She's still caring for her children you know what we need in this life? We need more Hannahs. If you're here this morning and you're a child of God, you're displaying even some of these characteristics that that Hannah had in her life, keep doing those things. Because that's what's going to make the world a better place. The government is not going to make the world a better place. The news certainly is not going to make the world a better place. But you know what's going to make the world a better place? Godly mothers raising their children in godly ways. Godly fathers raising their children in godly ways. And ultimately getting back to the Bible. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, we want to encourage you to become one. Are you willing to do the very things that God has laid out in the Bible, the Gospel plan of salvation, to be able to be called His son, His child, His daughter? hear the Word of God, believe it, repent, confess that Jesus is the Christ, put Him on and baptism. Live faithfully for Him all the days of your life. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you've done some of those things, but you're not living faithfully. Why not choose today to come home? Come back, make things right, repent of whatever sins you have, confess them privately or publicly, depending upon the nature of that sin and Pray to God and ask for forgiveness. He is faithful, He is just, and He will forgive you of those sins.